Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to your living word. Lord, help us to walk with wisdom in this life and to rest in the gospel this day and always. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, it's been a little bit of a stressful week. We made it through the storm. We dodged the bullet that was Hurricane Dorian. And so I, I wanted to, just as a sigh of relief, do a little bit of a poll just to gauge what um, you were thinking this past week. So, who here did not evacuate? Raise your hand. All right. It's a lot of people. Okay. So maybe about 90% of us. Um, all right. Now, my next question is this, and be honest. Who here, when they were calling for it to be a Category 5 hurricane, and when we were in its direct path, who thought about evacuating? All right? Okay. Now, now what I want to know is who here never once ever thought about evacuating, no matter how bad the storm got, no matter what, you were not going to leave your house. All right. Here's the, the bold people among us. Bold, foolish, you know, you never, never know. Um, so all of us had a, a big decision to make this past week, and there was a lot of things that went into that decision, right? Do we leave? Do we stay? Do we board up our house? What do we do? And it was constantly like you're checking the updates, and things are changing all the time. And today we're going to be talking about decisions. All of us have decisions. Decisions like that, um, which is a big decision. Uh, we have these small decisions, and then there's these huge decisions that could affect the rest of our life, right? So if you're a young person, you're thinking, what should I study in school? Or what career path should I choose? Or maybe you're a, a little bit down the road on a career path. You're not loving it. The honeymoon's kind of over. And you're like, should I change careers? Should I change jobs? Or maybe you're coming up on retirement. And you're saying, when should I retire? And what am I going to do after I retire? There's also decisions about um, our families, right? If you're a young person, you say, should I get married? What type of person should I marry? And those are big, important decisions. If you're married, you think, should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Should we have more kids? Would that kill us? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then there's decisions about, you know, where do we live? You know, how much, uh, you know, what do we spend our money on? There's so many decisions that we have to make. And so... The challenge with decisions is that they're incredibly complex, right? There's so many things that you can factor in to decisions. Also, the, the challenging thing about decisions is this fact that I was listening to a podcast actually recently on this guy. He had written a book about decisions, how we make decisions, how we can make better decisions. And he made this point that was really obvious, but it was interesting. I, I, it got my attention. He said, you know, for all the technological advancements that we've made as a society, we still can't predict the future, right? We can have all of these contingency plans and things in place, but sometimes weird things happen that we can never see coming. Naomi experiences one of those things that she could have never seen coming. So decision-making is complex. We don't know the future, so there's some unknowns. And it can be really stressful. And that stress can drive us to be paralyzed, where sometimes for you the decision-making process paralyzes you. are like, I don't know what to do. Or it can drive us to be pig-headed, right? Where we make a decision and we keep 
boring ahead with that decision, even though it seems like maybe that's not the right decision and everybody's telling you like, actually don't do that anymore, but we keep going. And so the stress caused us to do funky things. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Ruth and the, this decision that these three women in this story are up against. And we're going to be looking at Orpah and what she did, Naomi and what she did, and Ruth and what she did. What was their decision? How did they make their decisions? And then what can we learn from their decisions? So we see that Orpah looks around, Naomi looks back, and Ruth looks up. So what can we learn from the things that they do in their decision-making process? So we're going to start with Orpah. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Ruth. Ruth 1, we're going to start in verse 6. And this is on page 222 in the Pew Bibles. Page 222, we're in Ruth 1, starting in verse 6. So Orpah's faced with this decision. It's a turning point at crossroads in her life. To give you a little backstory, if you missed last week or you're unfamiliar with this story, what's happened is this woman, Naomi, who was an Israelite, has left her hometown of Bethlehem because there was a famine in Bethlehem. So she went to outside of Israel to a town called Moab. And she left with her husband and her two sons. And they stayed there for 10 years. Her sons married two different women. And then all of a sudden, something completely unexpected happened. Her husband died and her two sons died. And so she decides, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to my hometown. And her, sister, her daughter-in-law has come with her out of town. And they're somewhere along on the journey. And Naomi says, guys, listen, don't come with me. Turn back. Go back to your town. There's nothing for you if you come with me. I can't have any more children. There's nothing that I can offer you. Go back to your hometowns. In your hometowns, you can go back into your families, go back to your people, go back to your gods. You can get remarried. You can have a family. You can start all over again. Don't come with me. There's nothing for you with me. And so Orpah looks at this decision she has to make, and she looks around. She uses common sense. She looks at the factors. She weighs the pros and cons. And I want to see, go ahead and throw up the slide. This, I want, this is really what the equation that she's given. Here's her pros and cons list. It's God, so the God, Naomi and her God, Yahweh, plus nothing. Nothing is promised to her in Bethlehem. Naomi makes that very clear. There's nothing for you with me. Or everything. I could get remarried. I could have kids. I could live with my people and my gods minus Yahweh in Moab. She was faced with this choice. She weighs the pros and cons. She makes a common sense, reasonable decision. She goes back to Moab. And oftentimes for us, even those who might call ourselves Christians would say, you know, we're trying to follow Jesus. Our decision-making process begins and ends with common sense, right? I'm going to make my pros and cons and I'm going to try to figure it out. And there's nothing wrong with common sense. Don't hear that. God gives us reason. He gives us common sense. So we should make pros and cons. Us. We should look around at our situation. But what it's really saying when that's all we do is that we are the authors of our own story. We're the captain of our own destiny. But the reality is we don't know the future. Orpah doesn't know the future. And so when she kisses Naomi, and then walks back to Moab. She marches off and out of the pages of history. She went back to her people and to her gods, and we never hear from her again. All right? Has anybody here 
heard of Orpah, right? You've heard of Oprah, probably. Um, but yeah, you know, all of these people are named Ruth. You know, I just learned that Jessica's middle name is Ruth. Um, there's all these, I served someone in communion this morning named Ruth. There's, Ruth is this name that we hear, but nobody names their daughter Orpah. We should bring Orpah back, right? Um, so what she didn't realize, because she didn't know the future, is that she was walking away from her one true opportunity at lasting significance and meaning. And so we should use common sense. We should look around, but we shouldn't stop there. So let's go ahead and now look at Naomi. What does Naomi do? So like we, we heard, Naomi's life was going really well. She had a husband. She had two sons. Things were looking up for her. There was a famine in, in Bethlehem. And so she made a common sense decision. Well, let's go to a place that there's not a famine. Let's go to Moab. And then things fell apart. Disaster struck. Her husband di- died. Her two sons die. And she's got nothing left. She's at the bottom of the barrel. And so she turns back to God. Which oftentimes that's the turning point in a lot of our lives. Where we have nothing left, we realize God's all we have. So we turn back to him. And so she makes the right decision. But when she starts heading back to Bethlehem, she has a new way of seeing the world. She's looking back. She has this warped perspective What she does is this. She lets her future be defined by her most recent past. I'm going to say that again. She lets her future, what her life is going to be like, be defined by her most recent pain. And we do this all the time. I want you to listen to her her words in verse 19. When she gets back to Bethlehem, all of the townspeople come out. The women say, is this Naomi? And she says, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. She says, call me by a new name, bitter. For the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. She says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Earlier on in verse 13, she says, the, Lord of, uh, the, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Do you see what's happened? She's let her future be defined by her most recent past, the pain of her past. She said, I want to change my name. My, the, the defining moment of my life has been bitterness, so that, my name's going to be Mara from here on out. And we can do that. You know, we can get into this myopic thinking that if we fail at something, there's something that we pursued and, and poured our life and heart into and we failed at it, instead of just thinking, okay, that didn't work out. We think I am a failure. Why try anymore? Or if we fall into some sin, instead of saying, I made a mistake, God forgive me, we say, I am a mistake. God must not want anything to do with me. So it changes how we view ourselves. That's what happened here in Mara's case. But it also changes how we view God, our image of God. Listen to her words. The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And when we're going through suffering, it's so tempting to think that. God must be done with me. He must be punishing me for something that I did. God's hand is against me. And so, if you resonate a little bit with Naomi's story, you've been jaded by life, you've beaten yourself down, or your image of God has gotten messed up in the midst of some hard stuff you've been through, what do you do? So when, when you're faced with these decisions, and that's your lens through which you see things, what do you do? Should we not look back at our life? 
What I want to suggest is this. We should look back. In the midst of a decision-making process, we should always look back. It's a really healthy thing, right? As the old adage goes, those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it, right? So we should look back. And Naomi looks back, but the problem is she didn't look back far enough. She just looked at the present condition of her pain, but didn't look back far enough. And the reason that I say that is because she didn't remember her people's story, the bigger picture story that she was a part of as an Israelite. And if she did, that name Mara would ring a bell. She would remember that name from the story of the people of Israel because that's not the first time that name shows up in the scripture. In Exodus 15, most of us remember Exodus 15 as right after God has led the Israelites through the Red Sea, delivered them. It's one of the most uh, powerful testimonies and miracles of God's deliverance from their oppressors. He leads them through the Red Sea. And then they start walking in the wilderness for three days. And they start grumbling. You know, three days before, God was like, hey, I'm going to part these seas, right? And then three days later, they're like, man, God, I don't know if you can do anything for us because we're thirsty, you know, there's no water. We're thirsty. We're in this wilderness. And they're grumbling and they come up to this place called Mara. And there is this big pool of water. And it's called Mara because the water is bitter. They can't drink the water. And they're like, great, there's water there. We can't even drink it. And so God's, God shows Moses this log. And Moses throws the log into the water. Now, exactly how that happens, I don't know. But he throws this log into the water and the water turns sweet. And then they can drink their fill of the water. And that's like, that's another miracle. Um, the magic log. Um, but the point is that if she knew her history, the bigger picture that she was a part of, she wouldn't think, Mara, that isn't just a place of bitterness. That's a place of God's provision. That God, God's grace reaches out to grumbling people that are going through hard stuff. And he meets their needs. And so it's not that looking back is a problem. It says she didn't look back far enough. And what I find is when I'm in the midst of hard things, or I'm pressed with a big decision to make, I have to look to the scriptures. Because I can get so caught up in my individual story that I forget the big picture story of what God's doing through all time. And that I'm part of that story. And that this moment is hard. He's doing something great and has continually done great things even in the midst of hard times in the life of his people. So if you're going through something hard, here's what I would encourage you. Look back further than just what you're going through. Look back at the scriptures. Read the story of God. And maybe the Bible for you is a little overwhelming. I've heard that from a number of people recently. They're like, I don't know where to get started. You know, there's all these different stories and it's super confusing. What do I do? And so what I would encourage for you, if you don't know where to get started, tonight we're kicking off all of our main uh, ways for you to learn about God. Alpha, Rooted, we have Monday School for Children. If you're asking the big picture questions like, well, is there a God? Is there a meaning? Come explore those questions with other people tonight at Alpha. Or Rooted, if you're ready to follow God, but things have been hard for you and you feel like you've kind of been stuck, go through Rooted because one of the things that you focus on in Rooted is where is God in the midst of suffering? So jump into a group, jump into a Bible study this semester. If you, if you feel overwhelmed, you don't know where to get started with the Bible, start with a group. So it's important 
to, to frame your story, whatever you're going through, in the big story. Also, I was talking to somebody this past week, and he didn't know what I was going to be preaching on, but he was telling me about his life. And he said, you know, my family's in a really hectic time of life. And we are, you know, just stressed out. We have more responsibilities than we know what to do with. Um, but, you know, the biggest comfort for me has been looking back at how God has led us these last few years. And he's like, so when I get overwhelmed, I just look back at my life and God's faithfulness. And so for maybe for you, it's not just looking at the Bible, but it's looking at how has God been faithful in the past? And then going forward saying, okay, God, I know you're going to be faithful in the future. So we see Orpah looking around using common sense. We see Naomi looking back. And we're encouraging, we, we should encourage her and you, you, I encourage you all to look back further. But then we're, finally we're going to look at Ruth. Ruth does something that is really unexpected. She looks up. Listen here. It says that both the women lifted up their voices and they wept. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She clung to her mother-in-law. And Naomi continues to try to convince her not to stay with her. And Naomi says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back. Return after your sister-in-law. But then Ruth's famous words, these are some of the most famous words of the Old Testament. She says this, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. So how did she come to make that bold decision? There had to be something about Naomi, right? Naomi was clearly a flawed follower of God, but she had seen enough in Naomi's life and heard enough about Naomi's God to say, okay, if this is Naomi and one of God's people, and this is what her God is like, and I've grown up with the Moabites and I've seen those people and I've seen their God, she says, I'm going to choose Yahweh. I'm going to choose to cling to Him. And wrap my destiny up with him. And look at this decision that she has to make, right? God plus nothing in Bethlehem. She says, I'll take my odds with him. It's an amazing act of faith. And it's an amazing act of love to Naomi to go back with her. And what we see is that Ruth models faith. And so go ahead to that next slide. What we see in this passage is that faith is to make God the deciding factor. And so if you're in the midst of a decision, say, God, I want to look up to you. I want to ask you, what should I do? And that word where it says that she clung to, to Naomi is the same word that we see in Genesis 2, 24, where it says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, cling to his wife. That's, that's language of oneness. What Ruth is saying is that I want my story to come in alignment with God's story. I'm not the author of my own story. There's a bigger story that's happening and I want to be part of that. How do I become one with his story, what he's doing? It's a beautiful picture of faithfulness to make God the deciding factor, to look to him and say, God, I don't want to just look around and look at the pros and cons. I don't want to just look back, but I also want to look up. God, what would you call me to do? And sometimes he calls us to do things that don't make sense. 
but he always provides for us. Now, all of the things that I've shared so far are things that we do to make better decisions. So looking around, looking back, looking up are all things we do. And you could leave today thinking this. Okay, well now my decision is more complex. Thanks, Dan. Now I have to factor the almighty God into my decisions, you know, if it wasn't hard enough. But here's what I want to tell you, that Christianity isn't ultimately about what we do. It's about what God has done for us. See, what Naomi was worried about was that because of her rebellion, because of what she had done, maybe God's hand was against her. But brothers and sisters, we never have to worry if we're in Christ that God's hand is against us. And here's why. Because our sin and rebellion, when Jesus went to the cross, he clung to our sin and rebellion and took that on himself. He said, I'll take all of that, all the wrong decisions you've made, all the ways that you've messed up and you've hurt other people. I'll cling to those things and take them on the cross so that you can know that God's hand is with you, that God's hand is for you, so that you can cling to him. And no matter what you're going through, he will always cling and hold on to you. That's the gospel. It's what he has done for us. Even when our faith wavers, he is always faithful. And I saw this played out. I saw an illustration of what it's like, the freedom and the rest that we have in the gospel when it comes to decisions this past summer. I went um, uh, out to Colorado as part of this Anglican leadership initiative. And we went rock climbing. And it was the first time that I had actually rock climbed on an actual wall. And so they put this harness on you and some ropes and you start climbing up the wall and I have no real idea what I'm doing. I'm just kind of winging it. Kind of, okay, do I, do I choose this one? Do I choose this one? And you get further and further up and you get more and more exhausted. You know, your hands start cramping. And the higher you got up on this specific rock, the less holds there were. And you're wondering, do I get this one? Do I get this, this one? And you start to wonder, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall off this thing. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to hurt myself. And oftentimes when it comes to our decisions, we can get so stressed out about them that we think it all depends on us. That I am the master of my destiny. I can't blow this. And the reality is with rock climbing is this. You're holding on, but ultimately they're holding on to you. There's nothing that you can do to fall. And the gospel is this, that yes, we cling to Jesus, but he's always underneath holding on to us. His hand is always for us and with us. That's the gospel. So you can go into whatever decision you're facing with boldness, with faith like Ruth, or wavering faith and know that God is going to be with me and he is going to uphold me. So let's pray. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to close your eyes as we pray. And if there's a decision that you have or maybe somebody that you're walking alongside that they're facing a decision, if you want, you can close your eyes and hold your hands out and put that decision in your hands. And we're going to pray about that decision right now. Lord, we pray that you would come. Lord, give us wisdom to look around at our situation. Use our common sense. Lord, help us to look back at our own story and also at your big picture story to get some context for the decision we have to make. And finally, Lord, help us to look up to make you the deciding factor of our lives. Come, Lord, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name.
Amen.